turn to the very back of Romans, that last chapter. We are in the final segment here. Final sermon of our Roman series, which we have started quite a long time ago. Um, and initially, I'll give you a little update here. Initially, um, I had started writings for, or writing sermons for First Peter, because that was the sermon series I wanted to start. Um, but that turned into like 20 sermons or so. And uh, since we only have about like eight or nine Sunday nights left, I'd rather wait to start First Peter until like next fall. So what we're going to do starting uh, February 11th is I'm going to start a new series called Worship 123. And it's going to unpack uh, what that idea, word, concept of worship is in the Bible. Uh, so we'll start that series on February 11th, and that will carry us through the end of this fall, spring, year into the summer. So, kind of crazy. We only have a few of these left. But um, also, next week, uh, this, it's the Super Bowl. Um, We're going to have some sort of pregame party here. It's not going to be like a, a full-out um, Sunday night, but we will have some games, some time of worship. Um, it will just be for an hour, so five to six. So show up for that, and then we'll start a new series February 11th. Everybody got it? Everyone up to date? Cool. All right, so Romans 16. We're going to go through this whole chapter today so we can wrap up. Um, it's been a long road. been a good time in Romans. It's a great book. Um, I really hope that you've learned from it, but more than that, I hope that the gospel has challenged you in it. And uh, before I read Romans 16, um, I want to give you kind of a basic outline of what's happening here. And as you can see... It's Paul commends, recommends, um, uh, approves of, praises this girl named Phoebe. And then he greets what he calls co-workers in Rome. It's a big, long list of names. And I wanted to spare myself the embarrassment of just reading through these names, mispronouncing half of them. And then he goes and Paul gives a warning for those who are not co-workers. He talked about co-workers and then he says, okay, now watch out for people who are not co-workers. And then he gives some greetings from where he is in Corinth, which is where he probably wrote the letter. And then he gives this final summary of the gospel at the very, very end. So that's the outline of that. Okay, so what you see is a lot of greetings, a lot of, hey, talk to this person for me. Say hello to this person. And like, what are we supposed to make of that in scripture? Like, are we supposed to learn from that? How are we supposed to study that? And what I wanted to kind of hit home with you guys is, this chapter demonstrates almost more than any other part of the book that this is a letter, right? Romans was a letter that Paul wrote. He did not write it in mind with, with you in mind necessarily. He didn't write it thinking that people are going to pour over each word and sentence that he wrote. He wrote it as a letter to some friends in Rome. So because a lot of the Bible is a letter, and we see here in this passage kind of a demonstration how, of how Romans is a letter— I wanted to give you guys uh, four tips for studying biblical letters. Paul wrote a lot of letters. A lot of the books in the New Testament are letters. So if you can study a letter well, it will help you in your study of Scripture and your spiritual growth. Okay, so I gave on your little sermon handout there. Uh, at the top, you can fill in these blanks. When studying a letter, observe the formal elements. What I mean by that is see that he's talking to people. Right? See that it's usually working with a structure that uh, his time and era 
how they, it's how they wrote letters in his time and era, right? So a basic structure of a letter, he would give, the writer would give his name, then he would name the recipient, he would give a greeting, a prayer, and then there was this big body of information of, of what he was talking about, and then he would give a final greeting and farewell. And so that's what we see with Paul here. He's giving his final greeting or farewell. And if you don't understand the standard structure of the letter, you might get confused. So the first thing you do when you're reading a letter is see these formal elements. Next, seek the context or the situation. Most of the times, if not all the time, when Paul or someone else is writing a letter to a group of people, it's because of a specific situation that's happening. With the book of Romans, we suspect that there was a lot of infighting between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. So Paul writes this letter to teach them how they're part of the same faith. And as you read Romans, knowing that that's the situation or context, a lot of passages make a lot more sense. You see all these, this, you know, the whole chapter of 14 is about like what's acceptable to eat and calendar days and weaker brothers and stronger brothers. And we only know how to make sense of that because we know it's a letter written to a specific situation that's happening in Rome. Or with Galatians, when we were in midweek. Does anyone remember what the Galatian context was or the Galatian situation was? All of you, great. <laughs> no, so in, in Galatia, this church in Galatia, there were some um, legalistic Christians, right? There were these Jewish Christians that kept putting the Jewish law on these new converts and Gentiles, Christians were falling into it. And that's the situation that Paul was writing to. So understanding that, understanding the situation or context helps us rightly understand the letter. Does that make sense? That's what I mean by that. So um, the third thing I'd really love to train you in with, with reading and studying letters is the ability to read it in one sitting. Right? Most likely, I don't know how many times I've said this, but most likely this was read aloud to a large group of people. Right? So... More so, what they're receiving in this letter is like an overall tone. They're receiving an overall flavor of, of hospitality that Paul's giving or something like that. So read it in one sitting and train yourself to note the things that stick out to you. Train yourself to note. What, so what is, what is the overall message that you sensed reading the letter? What were some of the key ideas or words that stuck out to you? The more and more you can read letters in one sitting, the better you will be able to discern and to understand what the letter's all about. Make sense? So, fourthly, follow the paragraphs. So what I mean by that is that with most letters, um, Paul is, or the writer is going to make an argument, and the, the argument is going to be settled or seen most in paragraphs. So think when you're reading your Bible and you're reading a chapter of Scripture, it's broken up into different paragraphs. Think of what the paragraph says and where it's situated. Another, the way that I do it is summarize and situate. When you see a paragraph, what does the writer say in this paragraph? So summarize it. And then situate it. What does the writer say? Why does he say it here at this point? Right? So when reading a letter... Following the paragraphs and the argument it's, it's making is, is critical. So, understanding that Romans is a letter, seeing that in chapter 16, I wanted to give you guys some of those helpful tips. So when you read books like Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 
these books that are letters, these are helpful tips for you. Okay? Just wanted to give that off my plate, get that off my plate, and then let's kind of dive into the passage here. So, Romans 16, um, like I said, I'm not going to read all this because I don't want to embarrass myself with some of these names. Like, I mean, look at this. You got Prisca and Aquila and Epinatus and, I don't know, Hadronicus, Junia. I think they just made some of them up. But um, there's a lot of kind of fun names in here, but you see the first name in there was Phoebe. Anyone want to name their kid Phoebe? Steph, you actually have a friend named Phoebe. Yeah. Jackson, do you really want to name your kid Phoebe? Oh, okay. It's a cool name. So Phoebe was this woman deacon that uh, Paul recommended in uh, Romans 16. And this is probably who delivered the letter. So Paul, he's in Corinth. He gives it to Phoebe. Phoebe travels up to Rome to deliver the letter. And then Paul greets some more co-workers in Rome. You see that in the next big, big section here. And then you come to this passage in Romans 16, 17. So before Paul goes and delivers greetings from people in Corinth, Paul gives this warning. And that's where I kind of want to hang our hat tonight. This warning that Paul gives in Romans 16. So look in verse, um, verse 17. This is what it says. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid these people, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, their own desires. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent and as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So we're going to focus in on this passage. I'm sorry, I can't read this passage without thinking of that song. You know the song? The God of peace will soon grow Satan underneath your feet. No? Just me. You know that one? God of peace. I think we learned that in Center Kid. But it's interesting here. So, get all the song out. Get it out of your head. Let it go. The song's gone now. It's disappeared. So let's focus on this passage. So uh, interestingly enough, right, this, this passage is situated, right, right between where Paul greets people and uh, it talks about his co-workers. Paul had friends. He had co-workers in the gospel. And he pauses to say, now watch out, not everyone is my friend. Not everyone's a co-worker in the gospel. So there are also people, Paul says, who create obstacles and divisions to the gospel. And Paul also says why they do this. Look at verse 18. He says they do this because they serve their own appetites. They serve their own desires, their own loves, not the desire that Jesus has for them. They are people in the church community who care more about their own desires than the desires of God. So Paul says they serve their own appetites by talking smoothly, that they talk in a flattering way, and that they deceive. So they don't do it necessarily in an obvious way, 
They do it in a very subtle way. They talk in a way that will deceive you, that will sound smooth, that will sound nice, that will sound like the gospel. So there are people, get this, there are people in the church community that care more about their own desires than the desires of Jesus. You have to understand that. You have to be watchful of that. You have to understand that, that Paul says, yes, there are co-workers in the gospel, there are friends in the gospel, but, but at the same time, there are people who are serving themselves in the church. And the most dangerous thing in all of this is they know how to make something sound Christian, right? They know how to smooth talk their way to talk Christianese, to make it sound good and sound like the gospel. But the thing is, they only do it for themselves. They do it with the wrong motives. They do it with bad desires. So, so what, are, what are we really talking about here, right? Paul is saying that people like this exist in the church. Therefore, we must do two things. There are two things that we must do if my remote works. Two things that we must do because of this. Carson, help a brother out. Two things we got to do, yes, because of Paul's, um, Paul noting that there are people in the church who serve their own appetites, not God's desires. So first thing, you got to be watchful. You have to be aware that these people exist. These people exist in the church, and you have to be watchful. You have to know that they exist and be watchful of them. Make sure you don't fall into smooth talk. Don't make, make sure that what you're hearing is the gospel. Now, how do you do that? How do you ensure that what you hear is the gospel? You have to measure it against something, right? You have to weigh it against something. You have to validate it. And we do that because, or through scripture. We have God's word and a description of the gospel in the person of Jesus Christ, and we can weigh it against what we hear because we have scripture. Now, um, part of that, not only being watchful, is being wise. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom takes the truth, and it's able to apply it in a different context or environment or concept. So do you have the watchfulness and the wisdom to make sure that you're not falling into believing and trusting in another gospel other than Jesus Christ? Because here's the reality. Some of us are believing and trusting in a gospel contrary to the gospel of Jesus, and we don't even realize it. We've been deceived. That's possible. That's possible in the church. Right? It's possible to, to find yourself having been carried away into trusting another gospel and not even realize it. So you can be led into believing a false gospel because you are led there with flattery and smooth talk, good intentions and Christian-sounding ideas. And oftentimes, that flattery and smooth talk, listen to me, a lot of times, that's coming from your own head. You're talking to yourself, a goth, a, a, you're talking to yourself with a different gospel than the gospel of Jesus. You see, the most powerful gospel disguises itself the most powerful gospel that disguises itself as the true gospel is the gospel of self. You guys understand what I mean by that? The gospel that I can trust in my own abilities. I can trust in my own reason. I can trust in my own supply. I can trust in my own resources and abilities. And that gospel will disguise itself as the true gospel in so many ways, but it's so dangerous. 
And again, my, my clicker's not working, so I'm going to need you guys to kind of help me out and follow me here. But the most powerful gospel that disguises itself as the true gospel is the gospel of self. So honestly, let's just be real for a second. Some of us in this room need to check what gospel we're trusting in. What gospel are you trusting in? For me, after the summer of uh, my freshman year of college, I realized... I had the stark reality that I cared more about myself than I did about God. And I was using God. Listen to me. I was using God to get what I wanted instead of being surrendered to what God wanted. Now listen, guys. I grew up in the church. I pretty much lived here. They had to kick me out some nights. Like, we, I was always in the church. I was the kid that knew all the right answers in Sunday school, which, looking back, it's not that impressive, guys really not impressive, okay, right, I was the kid that they, I was going into ministry, I was leaving high school to go into ministry, to serve full time in the church, in the first year of college, I didn't go crazy or anything, but I I came to realize that I cared more about my own glory than the glory of God, and listen guys, I had been carried that way without even realizing it. I had been living with a heart that loved myself more than Jesus without even realizing it. I did it all in the name of church. I did it with a Bible in my hand. Right? It's possible. It's possible for your heart to be far from God and you not even know it because you're so blinded by the gospel of self, by your own interests. So that's what we need to do. We need to always ask ourselves, Be watchful and wise, not only of other people that are more concerned with their own appetites and desires, but ourselves. Are we smooth-talking our way into a gospel to please ourselves? Right? Are we just showing up here on Sunday nights to make sure we don't feel guilty tomorrow? To make sure our parents get off our back? To somehow impress people with how much we know about Jesus? Are we trying to gain favor? Are we just trying to use our gifts and talents? Are we just trying to be on stage? Are we just... Why are we here? Is it for self or is it for God? Is it for Jesus Christ or for ourselves? Right? And the thing is, this warning shows us that that isn't a dramatic thing that happens. Right? It can happen in a very subtle way, not even realizing. So from this command, Paul goes and he, um, he gives greetings from, from Corinth. He uh, greets uh, Timothy, well, he's giving greetings to the people. He's saying, hey, greetings from Timothy, this, who is, he disciples. Um, he gives greeting from a guy named Tertius, who is actually writing the letter from Paul, and from Gaius, a guy he's actually staying with. And uh, then Paul gives his final words of the gospel. The final paragraph. And there's no other way he could sum it up better than this. This is what he says, verse 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and revealed through the prophetic writings and has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God and glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. This is the only way he can end this letter because 
the letter to the Romans was not about Paul. It wasn't even about the Romans. It was about God and his glory. It was about God and his praise. And this ties itself into the whole warning that Paul gave. If you want to give yourself a clear measurement, like a clear question to ask yourself to know whether or not you're about the gospel of self or about the gospel of Jesus Christ, ask yourself, can you say that? At the end of your life, at the end of everything you do, can you say, now to him be praise and glory? Or do you point the finger back at yourself and say, no, me. This is all about me. It's all about my glory. It's all about my praise. I want to be comfortable. I want to be safe. I want to be successful. Can you say now to him more than you can say now to me? This is the clearest way for you to know right now. Are you just using God? Are you just using him? Are you just taking the creator of the universe and saying, God, can you just make me feel comfortable? Can everything just be okay? Can everything just be happy and exciting? And can every day be what's in the box? Right? Because that's what's really exciting and fun, right? No, I tanked. Anyway, right? Are you just wanting to be happy and comfortable because at the center of that is more of a concern for yourself than a concern for God? Guys, I've lived this, and this is the struggle. This is the struggle in all of our Christian life. Do we simply want to be happy, or do we want deep down in our gut, in our heart, do we love God and want what He wants? Because that's what this is about. That's what we were designed for. You were made by a creator in his image to glorify him. And you will be happiest, most joyful, most satisfied when you are fulfilling that destiny. But here's the thing, we trade it. We trade it for temporary pleasure. We trade it for a, an image of a naked person on a screen. We trade it for temporary alcohol or we trade it for drugs we trade it for images of success for money we trade it for all these things and it leaves us empty i promise you it will leave you empty because the gospel of self can never satisfy you the way you were designed to be satisfied with the gospel of jesus christ you will never be satisfied in your own strength and in your own power i promise you it's a dark broken road so I'm not here to say, feel bad. I'm here to say, enter into the life that you're supposed to live. This is what you're created for. This is what you're destined for. This is why you were designed. You are a, you are a human being made in the image of God. And you can fulfill that in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amazing. And he extends this to us by his grace. He extends this to us because he wanted to do it by his command. You see that? It says, according to the command of God. God has commanded that you be saved, that you find his gospel, that you would fulfill who you're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. It's amazing. God is, is seeking you and saying, find rest in me, find satisfaction and joy in me. And then in all of this, God gets the glory. God gets the praise because that's where true freedom lies. You will be most free. You will be most happy. You will be most satisfied in God. Now listen, this is a battle for all of us daily. This isn't just a one-time decision to say, okay, I'm not about myself. I'm about God now. This is a daily battle for all of us. When I wake up and hear a crying baby and my wife saying, can you please help me? There's a battle between gospel of self and the battle 
between gospel of self and the gospel of Jesus. Like, am I going to act like Jesus or am I going to be a selfish tailor right now? Right? We all have this battle. But the beginning of that battle starts by recognizing who Jesus is, what he has done, and the faith that he calls you to. Are you united to him? Do you have faith in Jesus? Are you sold out? Are you following him? So in all of this, at the end of the letter of Romans, I think this is what Paul wants us to hear. He wants us to hear trust in Jesus. He's won the battle for you. You've, you're struggling, yes. You, you, uh, you have problems with this or that, yes. That's not like those things are going to disappear. But at the end of the day, are you trusting in Jesus or are you, are you seeking his glory? So that's the wrong slide, anyway. So the, the thing that we have to ask ourselves, reflective questions. The reflective question I want you guys to have do I want God to get the glory or do I want the glory, the praise, the admonition, the applause? Do I want God to get the glory or do I want the glory? A big question for me, and another way to word it, was am I simply using God to get what I want or am I surrendered to what God wants? Am I just using God to get what I want, or am I surrendered to what God wants? 